I'm still shocked by the numbers. When venture capitalist Arlen Hamilton looks at the percentage of startup investments going to companies founded and led by women, people of color, and LGBT entrepreneurs, people like her, she doesn't just see disparity or inequity. I really do think that the majority of us are underestimated. She sees financial opportunity. And she's capitalizing on that fact by investing tens of millions of dollars in people and companies that others have overlooked. You're talking about numbers, like that's just a cool strategy. To me, it, it really was a numbers game. It really was a logical conclusion. Welcome to Numbers Geek from GeekWire and USA Facts. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. On today's episode, Underestimated, the new numbers of equality with Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital, the bootstrapped venture capitalist making waves in Silicon Valley and beyond. We'll talk with Arlen about the numbers that frustrate, motivate, and inspire her. Stick around, we had a great conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode three of Numbers Geek. Later on, we'll be checking in with our resident numbers geek, former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer, to better understand the numbers behind economic mobility and race in the United States. But first, a conversation with Arlen Hamilton, the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital. You may know Arlen or have heard of her from Gimlet Media's startup podcast, which devoted an entire season to Arlen and Backstage Capital. Now, I highly recommend it, but even if you haven't heard that podcast, you should hear from Arlen. She is a former concert tour manager who worked her way into the world of venture capital through pure hustle and determination. She taught herself the business through books and blogs and YouTube videos, and she built her firm through loans and investments and a huge amount of grit. She was so determined to break into venture capital that she slept at the San Francisco airport when she wasn't able to afford a home or a place to live. We met with Arlen at a Backstage Capital Investor Day in San Francisco this fall. Outside the conference room where we talked, the space was buzzing with conversations between investors and startup founders. Backstage had just announced plans for a new accelerator program, and Arlen was featured on the cover of Fast Company magazine that month. She peered out from the airport newsstand as I arrived in San Francisco to meet with her, which I took as symbolic given her personal history. First off, Arlen, I, I was in the airport. <laughs> yes, I know, you're, I know where this is going. Uh, yes, yeah. I'm going to have to get your autograph by the time right. we leave. <laughs> um, cover of Fast Company, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, Arlen, I've got your bio here, and i got to tell you, it's one of the coolest bios I've ever read. It's two really? paragraphs. Do you mind reading it? Would you feel Would comfortable? Would I read it? Okay. Yeah. Let's see here. You want me to read the whole thing? It's, yeah. This All right. Here you we feel go. Comfortable. Arlen. Arlen is adorable. Is that, that's really how it starts? Wow. <laughs> Arlen built a venture capital fund from the ground up while homeless. She is the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a fund that is dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are of color, women, and or LGBT. Started from scratch in 2015, Backstage has now invested nearly $5 million into over 100 startup companies led by underestimated founders. Arlen is also tour manager to Atlantic Records recording artist Janine. 
having founded and published the internationally distributed indie magazine Interlude and toured extensively as a live music production professional. She enters the venture investing world from an unconventional path. When she's not writing about herself in the third person or now reading about herself in third person, she enjoys yelling at teenagers from her porch, writing the L Word fanfic Twitter page at Modern L Word, and watching the hell out of some general hospital. Arlen Hamilton. That is so true. Welcome to Numbers Geek. It's great to have you here. <laughs> Thanks we, for having me. We are here at one of the backstage capital investor days in San Francisco. That's right. And it is just over the top with energy out there. You've got your headliners out there meeting with investors. Tell me what it feels like to you right now to walk (laughs) through that room. Oh, wow. It's, I never get used to it. I never take it for granted. It is always beautiful, a little bit overwhelming because it's like a reunion. It's like a family reunion, uh, a Southern black family reunion. (laughs) Also, because uh, it is just uh, old home week, you know, you get to see people that you talk to a lot, but you don't um, see often. I, I admire everyone that's in the room, too. So it's like you talk about fangirling. I fangirl like times 100 because it's just so I feel like I'm looking at the future uh, of technology and, and where we're going. And just to be at this stage is really cool and I I do feel proud and humbled at the same time by the fact that this all stems from just an idea and a, and a mission that I had just a few years ago and I constantly not even just these types of days but constantly I'm flashing back to different moments and just in awe it's happened as well with the magazine cover so numbers play a big role in understanding what's happening out there in the startup world, in the venture landscape. And one of the key numbers that I know you cite in your firm sites is 90%. That's the amount of venture funding that goes to white, straight men. Yeah, that's the latest. I mean, it may have moved up or down by two or 3% because it actually, there's some numbers that have just gotten worse, uh, worse, surprisingly, but yeah, 90%. And you look at the other 10% and see opportunity. In That's fact, right. One of, the, one of my favorite phrases that you use is um, underestimated. You don't talk about underrepresented, yeah. underfunded. You talk about underestimated. Uh, underestimated, yeah. I mean, they're technically underrepresented because there are fewer of them being represented. Um, when we talk about women, people of color, LGBT in our case. Um, but I, I really do think that the majority of us are underestimated and that's like such a cool uh you're talking about numbers like that's just a cool numbers game that's just a cool strategy forget all you don't even have to think about this in a in terms of um heartstrings or doing the right thing really think about the fact that if you can put some money behind and this is what i thought of a few years ago if you put some money behind people who have no access to it or the minimal access to capital and uh, and are also doing quite a bit on their own just out of necessity or out of you know this is what i think should be done um it stands to reason that some of those companies will do well with more capital or with more resources 
And if you are the one or part of that movement that gets to uh, um, contribute to that, it just, to me, it, it really was a numbers game. It really was a logical um, conclusion to me. So about 2.2% of venture funding goes to all women founders. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and about 0.2% goes to black female founders. Yes. yes. That seems crazy. It is crazy. It doesn't seem it. It's, it is absolutely crazy. You're not being, uh, you're, you're having the right reaction. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're kind of told that that's okay or something, but that is insane. Even with all the work that we've done at Backstage that I've done personally, um, I thought I had seen it all. I, you know, I, I hear it all, but um, I'm still shocked by the numbers. You are aiming to change that with your new fund. Yeah, I want to be a part of the change. And mostly what we do, so we, we um, announced earlier this year that we will be investing a million dollars at a time in black women uh, led companies. And that'll be about five or six companies per year. And we'll do the first two this year. You'll hear the, the announcement by the end of this year or the first two. And it really, there's a couple of things at play. So obviously it's the, we want to change that number. But really it's about not just doing it on our own. It's about being an example, setting an example, and showing people that there is the deal flow and that it's high quality deal flow. Being the example, putting our money where our mouth is and going in that direction. Um, it's also that I, I'm also a venture capitalist, so I, I wanna have more allocation in these deals that I have access to. As it stands today, and the majority of the deals that we have, we could have put in a lot more money if we had it. I hate watching that money either go away to someone else where, where we are just missing out, where we had a really good positioning that's like enviable positioning, or it doesn't get, the deal doesn't get done because they couldn't rally enough around it because people wouldn't give them the benefit early, as early as we would. And I think when you combine all those things, uh, it just makes a lot of sense for us to be writing these checks and going and, and, and moving forward in this direction. You've invested so far in more than 100 startups? It's 100 at this point. 100 startups. Yeah. You like to say that you pattern match for grit. Yes. But obviously numbers have to play a role there. What, mm. what numbers do you look for as you're analyzing a company, looking at its financials? Are there certain mm -hmm. things that represent that grit in what you see in the... Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and I, I will say that I'm, um, I'm more anecdotal. I'm more in the story of the founder, but at this, and, and a lot of people on our team who, who make decisions, investment decisions, are they're the spreadsheet you know, people that, um, that get into that. But I will say, yeah, when you see things like um, a company that has n no outside funding, maybe they scraped together $5,000 of their own money, like scraped it together, but they have ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 in monthly revenue. And um, you talk to them and six months later, that has grown to 20, 25, with still out there trying to raise, but not raising. And they're just figuring it out. Um, I look at that and I say, First of all, if given any amount of wiggle room, breathing room, room to just live, what could they do? And second of all, you look at what they have done with so little and adding to that and what, what they'll do in the next year. 
Um, so it just it does come down to like a lot of cases revenue if you're, if it's a company that is generating revenue and that's what their business model is at the time, and then um, I think yeah I mean you know to be honest with you um, the point two percent number is quite enough to uh, inspire me to keep doing what I'm doing. I I, I always say like I I don't exactly know why I'm right, but I know I'm right. Because, because that, that number is, it doesn't reflect the U.S. at all. It doesn't reflect just the population. It doesn't reflect the amount of innovation. And we've had, we've, you know, said that before, but it's just, um, that number is enough to haunt you. That is Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital. We'll talk with her more later on on this episode of Numbers Geek, including her reflections on what it was like to be featured on a season of Gimlet Media's startup podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Numbers Geek. Our topic this week, the economics of equality. Before we get back to our discussion with venture capitalist Arlen Hamilton, let's check in with our resident numbers geek, Steve Ballmer, the former Microsoft CEO and the founder of USA Facts, GeekWire's partner on the Numbers Geek podcast. As part of his philanthropic work and focus on government numbers, Steve pays close attention to the issue of economic mobility, whether people in lower income brackets have a fair shot at moving up economically. That focus was clear when I interviewed him at an event in Seattle earlier this year. There are reports, unconfirmed, that some of our national leaders have a short attention span. So if... If you could show President Trump, Mitch McConnell, and Paul Ryan one data point, one slide, what would it be? Well, I happen to have one right here. The slide that Steve showed there was titled, What are a child's chances of moving up? And it showed the likelihood that kids born into families in the bottom 20% of U.S. household incomes would move into higher income brackets over the course of their lives. Now, for all kids across all races and ethnicities, the chances are 66% that they'll move up into higher brackets. But for black kids, it's 49%. What we're trying to do here is to say, what are a child's chance of moving up economically if they are born to parents in the bottom 20% of all incomes? So if you're born and your parents are in the bottom 20%, what is the probability that you move up someplace? Not to the top, or, but someplace. The perfect number, of course, would be 80%, right? Because it should be fair for you get 20% shot at each quintile. 66% of whites move up. Uh, the number is only 49% for African Americans. So to me, you take a look at this, and you give me one shot, one slide, one thing to say, I say this just isn't okay. Not everybody gets to move up, but everybody should have a shot of moving up, a probability. You also have to say if nobody moves up, that must take hope. You can't believe there's an American dream if everybody in your neighborhood is you know, essentially not moving up the economic ladder. I think that's not okay. I think that's something that our leadership needs to focus in on and understand. So you give me one, one slide. We tried to keep it as simple as we could. Uh, Want to make sure we're very targeted for our audience. And this is not, this is not a, a partisanship issue. 
I'd say that to a Democratic leadership, a Republican leadership. I'd say it to absolutely anybody. And the solutions are not just going to come from government. They have to come from communities that decide that they want to focus in on this issue. They'll come from money that the government largely provides, so the government money cannot go away. But the solutions to this will depend on government money, community focus, and the role of capitalism. It's the thing that probably makes me a little bit different than a lot of people who focus on this problem. I think capitalism has to play a role. Capitalism has to create new jobs. Capitalism has to create new approaches to education. Capitalism has to drive down cost of goods so that less affluent people have better and cheaper access to goods. So I think it takes sort of the big prongs of America, democracy, community, and capitalism if we're really going to make uh, any progress on this issue. Steve's focus on the role of capitalism takes us back to Arlen Hamilton. During our discussion, I showed Arlen a chart that had just come out from the U.S. Census Bureau. It showed real median household income of $40,258 for black Americans in 2017. Now, that was compared to overall median household income in the U.S. of 61372 for all races. According to the government data, median household income for black Americans has only now returned to pre-recession levels, whereas income for other races exceeded 2008 levels a few years ago. Clearly, based on what you're saying, I mean, there are external forces at play here. What do you think about when you see this kind of trend and how does your initiative, your firm, Hmm. play into this and counter it? Yeah. um, Or does it? Or do you think that big picture? I mean, I think about things all the time, like um, credit credit scores, for instance. I've I've said that credit scores are the new new Jim Crow. You know what I mean? Like, I I think that you're talking about institutional, systematic things that um, were kind of set up in some ways. um, Black and brown folks are set up to lose. We were. I mean, we can get real, we can get, we can get raw right now. Like Please. we were, we were brought here, black people were brought here as slaves to, to be animals, to go from A to B, A to, a to Z, whatever. When that didn't work out for people, they found other ways like prisons and, and um, other ways to keep us enslaved. And while we have evolved so much over the past few decades and we have the way that i grew up is very different than the way my mom grew up and the way that she grew up was very different than the way her mom grew up while that is true we we were just not supposed to win so that is why you have you have to in this country be oprah winfrey to be considered a success you have to be one of the richest people in the country you have to go against all odds. I personally have to have had the story of being homeless to venture capitalists, investing in 100 people, to even have a chance to be on the radar of the American conscience as someone to be taken seriously in business. And when I see this, uh, it, makes me, it makes me sad and it also tells me again what we're doing is really awesome because 
what I want to do is um, cultivate, catalyze hundreds, then thousands, then more than that, uh, future angel investors, future millionaires, future billionaires, future job creators and current job creators, and gener generational wealth. And if I and this company have something to do with an uptick in this number one day, that would have been uh, my life's work. What's the most important number in your world, in your life right now? I think one million is a number that comes up a lot because we're investing in black women one million at a time. And that has a significance that goes beyond just getting that deal done. It's, it's, it's going to um, have an impact, a ripple effect that um, I think and hopefully inspire other funds to, to do the same and take us more seriously. Um, I know this is n not quite the same, but 360 is my favorite number. Uh, it just rep it has been for most of my life. It just represents um, a f full circle, right? It, it represents um, um, like a complete season of something, a complete change, and then coming back to the root of something, um, a, a rebirth, all sorts of things for me. And so um, when I think about most things in my life, when I plan things, I plan it around that number. You'll notice that our fund is a $36 million fund. Is I that, never said why. That's where it comes from? It comes from that, but the math also. We want to invest in five to six companies per year for three years, with the half of the fund being follow-on. And it worked out to 36. <laughs> Just perfectly. Yeah. Another important number, six. That was the number of episodes in Gimlet's startup mm. season about you. Yeah, I've the bonus seventh. Yeah, bonus seventh from Gimlet Fest. Listen, I've, wow, I've listened to all of it. Wow, you have listened to this. I, I listened to the Bootstrap VC podcast. I've, I've really become kind of a student of Arlen Hamilton well, on, there the, you go. on wow. the podcast. That's yes. amazing. Yeah. Um, I know that you did sort of do a, a postmortem on that on, on stage. Is there anything that sure. you would correct or say that would... <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we did, you know, we did a reaction podcast yes. episode for every single episode yeah you did um I, I i enjoyed most of the gimlet experience and i think especially the first two episodes i think that they were there should be some sort of award for the pro the production value of what they did in all of the episodes uh i did have a problem which i talked about in the last um that bonus episode about some of the uh lack of accuracy to create to create a little bit of a arc to their story they didn't exactly fact check a few things that were pretty vital at the time and they used a couple of tactics i didn't agree with i mean i signed up for it knowing that it wasn't going to be always comfortable. I think something that people don't realize is that they recorded for like eight months. They interviewed hundreds of people that I know from, from my childhood on. And maybe 10, 15% of that was actually used or even referred to. So it was like a very open wound type thing. People come kind of, you know, who are, who could be the next, um, subject of that they often ask me if it's something that I would do again and something they should do and I just kind of lay out a few of those things because um, on one hand so many people um, have enjoyed it and gotten something from it and been inspired by it and I am honored and flattered to have been chosen as the subject of it and I enjoyed sharing that and on the other hand it's like anything where like you kind of give up your privacy 
it's a little bit um, shocking sometimes and um, you I think anybody can tell you that they they think twice about it the next time Um, so I'm still kind of a little bit in the air about it finally what number will indicate success in your mission is there a goal that you can set for yourself either financially number of companies or something I'm not even thinking of um the first number that came to mind is one so one one of a lot of things one person who decided to start a company because backstage exists one person who became a millionaire because we exist one person who um wakes up and decides to take control of their lives and 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 control of their destinies because of the work that i have done and that we have done i think it's a it's a series of ones and um I think that'll always be the thing. I don't think there's this this magic number that will make me happy when it comes to to money or a magic number that we have under management that I'll think, oh, we've now made it. Because um, I, I, I intend for us to have quite a bit of money under management. Um, I don't have that magic number. I think 100 is a pretty cool number. 100 companies invested in after saying 3,000. But it really is, it comes back to one. It's how did, how did each one of those companies get affected? And how will they then pay that forward? That's, that is what I really think about um, the most. I think about a few years from now looking at meeting people who started things because we were the representation and the example that I was looking for three or four years ago. Arlen Hamilton, Backstage Capital, thank you very much for being on Numbers Geek. Thank you. Arlen Hamilton is founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a venture capital firm that invests in startups led by underestimated founders. For more about Arlen and the Backstage team, including the Bootstrapped VC podcast, another one of my favorites, see BackstageCapital.com. Before we end the show, congrats to all of you who submitted the right answer for our Numbers Geek Algebra contest. The correct answer was $7.50, and you can see the solution on the Numbers Geek episode at geekwire.com slash numbersgeek. We've given out our allotment of Numbers Geek shirts to the people who submitted the correct answer, but don't worry if you didn't win. We'll have more Numbers games on future episodes of the show. Also, before we end, a quick reminder to tell us your number. What's the single most important number in your world? It could be from your work, your family, your biggest passion, or your favorite cause. To share your number with us and tell us why it matters to you, record a 30 to 60 second voice memo on your smartphone. Include your name and where you live and email that audio clip and your contact info to numbersgeek at geekwire.com. And we might just feature it on a future episode. Hey, thanks for listening to Numbers Geek. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review to let other people know what you think. Numbers Geek is produced by GeekWire in partnership with Steve Ballmer and USA Facts. Numbers Geek graphic design by Killer Infographics. Theme music by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. For more Numbers Geek episodes and videos, plus charts and citations for the numbers we discussed on this episode, go to geekwire.com slash numbersgeek. Also check out interactive graphics, annual reports, and more U.S. government data at usafacts.org. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. Thanks for listening to Numbers Geek.